0: Let us do, as verse 3 says, labor for the Master, from the dawn till setting sun. sun. His wondrous love and care. You all can be seated as we have one more song for you. It's a song you may or may not be familiar with. It's another old hymn. I think it's from originally written in the 1880s. Uh, but it's a wonderful hymn full of great <coughs> lyrics, so as the lyrics will be on the screens and as we sing, I would encourage you to follow along to read the lyrics. They are full of such great truth. Uh, as we sing, Jesus, I my cross have taken. <clears throat> Jesus, I
1: my. Too
0: Quite different than the songs that you would hear in our culture today. There's six verses, there's no, there's no chorus, it's, it, but such great truth found in these lyrics that Jesus, I, my cross, have taken. Uh, let's go ahead and take a few moments of fellowship before we get to this. One. <coughs>
2: All right, if you've got your Bibles, for one last time, turn with me to Matthew 28. This will be the last study as we finish this long, long study in the, the Gospel of Matthew. We have looked at every chapter. We have looked at every verse. I think that we have almost looked at every word in 28 chapters of Matthew. And it's not a a, a big thing that we've done that. The big thing is that we have spent the last few years studying everything that Jesus said and everywhere that He went and everything that He did, Uh, I hope that you have gotten as much out of the life of Christ as I have of the last few years. And we get to finish today with what I would call the grand finale. Everything that He said and everything that He has done has been building to this point. And we get to this passage and it's His last command that He gives. And this is Jesus sending them and us on the greatest mission that we could ever be sent on. So today I've titled the sermon, Reaching the World for Christ. That is our mission. That's what He's sending us to Do. That's what He sent them to do. It's a huge mission, and we need to look at how we can accomplish that, how they accomplished it in getting the, the gospel to the world. So I want to look at these last uh, four or five verses here. Let's stand together. Matthew twenty eight verses sixteen through twenty. I want to show you reaching the world for Christ. And I love that he put these last And he wants, Jesus wants these words to be on their minds and on their hearts for the rest of their lives. And, And we're going to end Matthew today, and I want these words to be on your mind and on your heart every single day of your life. This is reaching the world for Christ. Starting in verse 16. It's kind of bittersweet. We end it. Just a few years ago, we started with the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, and here we are. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray together and we'll study... Uh, this, these great words of the Great Commission. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time in your word. I thank you for the last few years that we have been able to open up your word into Matthew and to to read and and to study and to to get to know our Savior even better. Uh, I believe that we as a church, we love Jesus even more today than we did when we started in Matthew 1. I believe we know more about him. I believe we uh, have become more like him as a church. I believe it's been the best study that we could possibly have went through. If I could, I'd go back and start it all over again. I love these words. And I pray, God, today as we finish it, that we get these last words, this grand finale. As everything's been building to this, That it is now our job, not just to know about Jesus and His life and His miracles and His death and His burial and His resurrection. It is now our job, our mission, to go into all the world and tell people about Him. So help us, God, to take this to heart. I pray this would be a life-changing Church changing, world changing sermon today. Please help us. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to start with a question. Why would you say, in your opinion, does a church exist? Why are we here today? Why do we gather? What's our purpose? What's our priority? What's the most important thing that we do? What's the most important thing about a church? And we could say one thing, I think that all of us know where we're going with this, that you would point and say, okay, it's it's the Great Commission, but I I think it's really seen in how we choose a church. It's rarely said that I chose a church because they fulfill the Great Commission. Most often people say when they choose a church, they're looking for a place that does good in the community. I want to find a church that, that reaches out and, and, and gives clothes or, or gives meals or is is known in the community as, as all the good that they do. They'll, they'll give a glass of water or they'll give a, a sandwich once a month. They're doing good in the community. That's the most important thing. Others will say, and I hear this all the time, that we go to church because the, the praise and worship music is just so great. It's like a concert. We, we can get there and we feel so good. And, they, and they, they're putting on a show on the stage. And we must go to a church that has the best music in town. Is that the most important thing about a church, or the fellowship? I I hear that one all the time. That people come to church because I know such and such, or this one's family, or or I've been going there my my whole life, and we all just get along, and we gather in the foyer, and we talk about things, and everything's just it's just so great. We hear today that they agree with my politics. Or I go to the church because they're into social justice. They'll march. They'll take a stand. They'll—they're making a difference in the world with—with with their stance on social issues. All these things here that I'm telling you, and there, there's more than I could tell. You. We could go on and on and on. These are the things that—that that I'm told are the causes that the church must take up. That we must be involved in. That, that this is what we must make the priority. This—this this is what we're here to do. I had a guy one time come into my office and ask me for money. <laughs> That's often. He said, I need money for this or for that. And, and, and I said, okay, I'll take your information and, and, and I'll see if we can, we can help you in some way. And he came back a, a day later and I said, I can't help you. And he said, if the church isn't here to meet my needs and to pay my bills, then what good is the church? You need to take up the cause of me. So we're told all the time about what the cause of the church should be. What the issue of the church or the priority of the church must be. And all those things are thrown at us, but I think we can go right back to this passage. We don't have to guess about it. We don't have to listen to what the world says we ought to be. All we have to do is go here, and we get from the very mouth of Jesus, here's what the church ought to be. Here's our priority. Here's our focus. Here's what the most important thing about a church is, is is it following this command of Jesus? Jesus here is at the end. He's completed everything that He was sent to do. He's he's finished. It is finished. He's now going to ascend to the Father. He has been uh, uh, killed and crucified on a cross. He's been buried and and now He's risen again. And here He is on a mountain with His disciples. He appointed this. He made that appointment days ago. He said, when when I'm resurrected, meet me here. And here they meet Him. And it's not just the eleven Most commentators would say that there's more than 11 people on this mountain. There's more than 11 disciples. It's actually probably, 1 Corinthians 15 says he appeared to as many as 500 at once. So we're looking at on this mountain, Jesus standing amongst a crowd of, the 11 are there, but there's possibly 500 people that are gathered on that mountain with him. These are really all the believers in Jesus that exist at that time. And Jesus stands there amongst this large crowd, it said some of them fall on their faces and worship Him, and others aren't so sure what's going on. You can imagine a crowd of 500, and I can imagine the 11 are up front, and they see Him and they bow down, they prostrate themselves, they worship Him, and some in the way back are saying, who is that? Is it really Him? They're doubting. So Jesus begins to stand and to speak. <laughs> I love this. He looks over the crowd, says in verse 18, and, and he came and he spake unto them. Jesus stands amongst his followers like a commander would stand over an army. You need to see it this way. Jesus stands like a commander giving his troops an order. Jesus stands and he sends them on a mission. And I want to call this the greatest mission that anyone has ever been sent on with the greatest message that anyone has ever heard from the greatest master that anyone could ever have. And He stands and He gives them the mission, the cause, the priority, the purpose, the most important thing that we do. He sends them all out, 500 to reach the world. And not only them, but by extension here today, He sends us. Into the world to reach the world for Christ. This is our mission. And I want to say the most, the the main idea of this sermon right now is that Jesus' final command must become the church's first priority. So let's look at this passage. I want to show you not just reaching the world for Christ. I think this can be, it is how to reach the world for Christ. This is how we fulfill the Great Commission. So let's look at it. I've broken it down starting in verse 18. We have three verses. We have three points. I think I started the study of Matthew with three points. I'm ending with three points. It's somewhere between 150 and 200 sermons. I haven't counted. So here we go. Reaching the world for Christ. Number one, I want to show you the power to reach the world. We will reach the world not in our own strength and by our own power. We will reach the world by His power. It says there, and I love, this is my favorite part. Uh, Most people overlook this, but I couldn't stop. uh, When it said, and Jesus came and spake unto them. And the first words out of His mouth was, all power. Did you see that? I'm not making this up. All power. That's a huge claim. Staggering claim. Here's where He begins. That He has all power. He has, and the word there would be, all authority. Or it would be that he has all the freedom to do and to act however he wants to. This would be like the authorities. Uh, I was thinking about that yesterday. My kids, we were riding through town. And my kids are bad for not wearing their seatbelts. belts. we will ride through town, and they'll see a cop and they'll say, Dad, there's a cop! Put your seatbelt on! I'm like, I got mine on, you got to get yours on. And I, 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 as we were doing that, you'd see a cop, and you see a cop here. And I would think, those are the authorities. They have the power and the freedom to arrest anybody they want to arrest. To do anything they want to do. That's what this word means. That's what, what, what power is. And they only have power over over certain jurisdictions. So the, the town cops have Big Stone Gap. And you've got the, the, the county cops have, have it in the county. And the, the state cops in the in the state. And, and their, their jurisdictions spread out. So that they have power over little areas. So Jesus here is telling us who's in charge. It's a clear statement of authority given to Him by His Father over what? What's His jurisdiction? What does He have power over? Authority over? Again, cops only have authority over their areas. Referees only have authority over certain playing fields. A referee can't come and throw a flag on me in my living room. Only their area. So what is Jesus' area? What authority does He have? And He says here, and there's that word, all authority, all power. It's a comprehensive word. There's no lines or no boundaries, no exceptions, no limitations. He has, Jesus has total and complete authority over everything and everyone. There is no place anywhere where he doesn't have authority. I like that. He has no rivals. And it says here, it even gives us the places. Look at this. All power is given unto me. I have power in heaven. And I have power on earth. I have power from top <laughs> to bottom. I have power up there and I have power down here. And we understand that he has power up there. We understand that he, everything goes according to his will in heaven. That all the angels and, and everyone in heaven will bow and yield to his authority in heaven. But do you also know he has complete and total authority on earth too? Yeah. I, I like that. He's not waiting for authority, he has authority. He has power. We saw glimpses of that in, in his life, in that he had authority over disease. You understand that one? He could cast out I mean he he could heal disease like that. He had authority over disease. It's, it's Jesus has authority over disease. Let me give you more. He has authority over demons. He, he could cast out demons like that. Just through the Word. And he, and he casts them out of a man and into a herd of pigs. He has authority over sin. He has authority over weather. He has authority over death. He has authority in, in His life. But what about now? There's an old quote, and it's a great quote. Now that He has... Been crucified, buried, and resurrected, he now has authority over all things in heaven and in earth. Get this. This quote says, There's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not say, Mine. Not one inch anywhere. Let me give you a list. You ready for this? He has all authority and power over Satan. Over demons, over stars, over galaxies, over planets, over wind, over rain, over lightning, over thunder, over tornadoes, over animals, over our heartbeats and the breath that we breathe when we wake up in the morning. He has authority over nations and governments, Congress and legislator, presidents and kings and premiers and courts and armies and finance and every soul and every moment of every life of every soul on and on and on. He has total authority. In heaven and in earth. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. What a statement. This has been the whole point of Matthew. To make us see that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What a statement. You say what what, was he telling them this for? This is to show us. That as we go on our mission, that Jesus has the power to do this. Watch now, if you get this. I I, I love this. Because without verse 18 and His power and His authority, verses 19 and 20 are, are hopeless for us to accomplish anything. We have to go under the authority of Jesus Himself. That there is no place on the planet that I cannot go and say and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That someone could say, You need to be quiet. I don't listen to you, I listen to the higher authority. Look at what he has the power to do. Jesus has the power to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus has the power to answer our prayers. Jesus has the power to save the lost. Jesus has the power to convert his enemies. Jesus has the power to regenerate hearts. Jesus has the power to change circumstances. He has the power to open closed hearts, to open blinded eyes, to defeat Satan, to build His church, and to reach the whole world with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. When we go, we go on the authority and by the power of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is built upon the power for us to go. With man, this mission is impossible. With Jesus, this mission will be accomplished because of His power. So this is the power to reach the world. Again, I read things, I hear sermons, and most people focus on the 19 and 20. But without 18, 19 and 20 doesn't work. We must have His authority and His power if we'll ever do anything in the mission. Number two, I want to show you the plan to reach the world. We not only will reach the world by his power, but we'll reach the world by his plan. So as the commander, he stands up and he says, I have authority over all things. I mean that, that should uh, that should get the army going, right? That should get the five hundred people who are standing there, the eleven disciples, some are doubting, some are worshiping, and he stands up and he says, But the Father has given to me all authority over everything in the heavens and everything on earth. And they're all like, Okay now, I'm motivated. To do what? Here's the plan. And it's a four-point plan. <laughs> Four subpoints. Here's here's the plan. I, I would write these things down. I mean, they're very simple, but I, I, this is the plan. And, and this is was the plan. Then this has been the plan throughout church history. This is the plan today. This will always be the plan. Jesus gave us the outline, and anytime we get away from His plan, we will not accomplish His mission. Here's the plan. Number one, go. <laughs> these, these are all. There's four action words here. Go. I like that word. We don't stay, we go. We're not retreating. We're not hiding. We're not going to the upper room and locking the door. We're not hiding out somewhere. We're not going to be silenced. That's what they're trying to do today. I hear it all the time. Why don't you just keep your faith to yourself and let everybody else do what they want to do, and live however they want to live. Well, Jesus told me to go. I'm going to go he said go this is active this is militant we're always advancing it's it's good to gather here it's better that after we gather here we go out there oh i can turn that around too and say there's nobody who doesn't gather here that goes out there the 11 and the 500 gathered first before they went we gather and we go so he says go because of verse 18, therefore, because of the power and the authority that I have, go. Don't stay, go. And where do we go to? <laughs> All nations. God's heart has always been for the nations. This is, this is worldwide. This is every people group. This is every ethnicity. This is crossing every border. This is Jerusalem, this is Judea, this is Samaria, this is the uttermost parts of the world. There's no place that we say, and this goes to the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because everybody needs the gospel. The Hindus need the gospel, the Muslims need the gospel, the Mormons need the gospel. There is no line we cross where we say they're okay how they are. Everybody needs to hear this message. Every country, every city, every community needs to hear about Jesus Christ. And when we go, we are to preach the gospel. This is not something where we uh we go and, and just live good lives. They call that lifestyle evangelism. You guys have ever heard this? Where preach the gospel if necessary, use works. That I'm going to go into a community, I'm going to go into a workplace, I'm going to go into my school, and I will never open my mouth. All that I'm going to do is live like a Christian in front of them. That's okay, I think we ought to live like Christians. But the people who you are living like a Christian in front of will die and go to hell thinking you're a good person. Lifestyle evangelism doesn't work because all it does is say, okay, they're a Christian. It doesn't tell them what they can do to be a Christian. So not only is a lifestyle good, but opening our mouth is even better. We must open our mouth and tell everybody wherever it is we go, whether it be in your workplace or your school, or if you're a missionary going to a a jungle somewhere, you don't go just live. You go and you open your mouth. You must go and you must tell them uh, about Jesus. They must hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ. They must hear the good news. You say, what's the good news? You, You ready for this? Here's what you have to tell them, that there is a God and that God created all things and that as the sovereign authority over all things, he gives us the rules that we must abide by. We could say the Ten Commandments. We could say the law. He is the law giver. And as He gives those laws and He gives those rules that we must abide by and we must live by, if anybody ever steps outside and breaks one of those laws, we have become what we call a sinner deserving of death. That's the bad news. That God is angry at sinners all day long. And that He will damn you to hell for one sin. You get them there. You say, well, that's not the good news. The good news is that God sent His only begotten Son into the world to die in our place so that we don't have to go to hell. That He lived a sinless, perfect life. Never did a single thing wrong. You need to tell people this because without the Gospel, they can't get saved. That He went to a cross and He died in my place for my sin. That He was buried. That He rose again on the third day. That He's coming again one day. And that if you don't put your faith in Him, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. But if you put your faith in Him, because that's as easy as it gets, all you have to do is receive this salvation and you can be saved and forgiven and go to heaven. We have to open our mouths and tell them the good news. we got to get the Gospel right. we got to get the Gospel out. That's the best news people have ever heard. And we say, they can see it in my lifestyle. They need to hear it from your lips. That Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout it far and wide. Salvation full and free. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. That's what we need to be sharing. That's what he's telling us to do. Go and share the gospel. Go and, and I don't even that's the word share. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus saves. Number two. Last sermon is going to be the longest sermon. Not only do we go. But it says, teach all nations. You see that? That's the next action word. And that's the, the main one. It's a great word. It's, I think it's the, the main word of the passage is go and do this. I would circle that word teach there. And it's a, it, it, no, notice he it says go and, and it's not build a church. It's not start a movement. It's not build a brand. It's not get decisions. It's not make professions. It's not uh, sign a card. It's not even get people to heaven. Our job is to do whatever that word is teach the word there is make disciples that's what the word means go and make disciples this is our aim i like the word make because it's aggressive go and do this get it done make disciples don't make converts make disciples you say what is a disciple a true follower of Jesus Christ. In the in the New Testament and in Acts when the when the, the 11 and the 500 would go out they weren't called Christians at the beginning they were called disciples of Jesus. They were called people who followed Christ. That's where Christian came from. They were followers of Jesus. And they became Christians, little cross. Christ. People who are trying to be like Christ. Who are trying to live according to Christ. They're, they're people who have said, I've decided to follow Jesus. And if nobody else goes with me, still I'm going to go. Go and make people who are sold out followers of Jesus Christ. That's the, the main idea of this passage. We want people to believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, love Jesus, live for Jesus. That's why we must have the power of Jesus. In my own efforts, you better believe that I, we can fill a church. In my own efforts, we can, we can get people to walk an aisle, sign a card, raise a hand, make a decision, but only Jesus can make disciples. So it says, go, make disciples, make disciples, <laughs> And baptize them. This is good. Just, and I've underlined these action words. Go, teach, baptize. Baptism is not something that's church made up. It's something Jesus told us to do. And we don't, you probably don't need to hear this. If I was to go into a Presbyterian church or a Catholic church, I would preach this and say, this word baptism does not mean sprinkle. It means to get people and immerse them under water. That's what the word means. There's some people in Presbyterian Church today that that they've broken from the Catholic Church, but they've not reformed enough. They're still sprinkling babies. Jesus told us to baptize them. To get them to make a public profession of faith. That's what it is. I can't see your faith. You can tell me I've got faith. I have faith in Jesus. I can't see it. Jesus has regenerated me, he, uh, I've been converted, I've been changed. You can tell me that, but we need to see a visible representation of that where you show the whole world what has happened to you. And how do we do that? We fill up the baptistry where they would go into a river or a lake or, or somewhere and they would take them out and, and they would baptize them showing what happened to them. Showing Death. Showing, buried with Christ. I have died. That's what you stand up in front of the whole world and you tell. I have died to me. I have died to the old me. And one of my favorite songs. I stand up when I get baptized and I'm telling everybody there's, there's an old me that's dead. There's places I used to go I don't go no. There's things I used to do, I don't do no more. That's what you're saying when you get baptized. There's things I used to drink, (laughs) I don't drink no more. I'm not talking about coffee. There's things I used to say, I don't say no more. I am dead to the old me. Because people are going to start asking, what happened to Josh? (laughs) And when I stand up in front of the whole world, and the Bible says we believe in our hearts, but with mouth, profession is made unto salvation. This is where we make that profession. We don't do it right here at the altar. We do it right there in the baptistry. Where we stand up in front of everybody and we say, the old me is gone. And there's a lot of people that's been in the baptistry that's never had it explained to them that they go down the water and they walk out of the church the same as they used to be. Those places I used to go, I still go to. Those people I used to hang out with, still hang out with them. Those things I used to drink, still drink them. Those things I used to say, still say them. Well, you lied when you went to the baptistry and said, I died to myself. I have died to myself and I have been raised a brand new man. That's what baptism is. You're saying, I'm a committed follower of Jesus. I'm now a a disciple dead to me and a a to Jesus Christ. Look at this last little part here. And we can't overlook it. How do we baptize? Oh, you've got to get this. There are churches in Big Stone and Appalachia who are teaching the opposite of this. We baptize. Jesus said this. These are His words. How do we baptize? In the name, and I like that, the name, singular, one name, one God, three persons. Look at this. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And Jesus is placing Himself in the same sentence with both the Father and the Spirit. This is a divine statement here. That when you stand in the baptistry and you go down and you're buried with Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit buried with Christ and risen to walk in newness of life. We are saying there is one God and now I have I have said no to all the other false gods and I now live for the God. Amen. This baptism is a big deal. It's not some kind of publicity thing where we... I'm so proud of you. Oh, you could say that. I'm thankful for what God has done in you. And what you're now showing He's done in you. So I'll ask this question and I'll move on to the the fourth one. Have you been baptized? If not, why not? The first step in discipleship, I would even say this, that as you go to Acts, it's almost synonymous then when somebody gets saved, they immediately get baptized. I mean, those things go hand in hand. Saved and baptized. You couldn't find in the, in, in the early church anybody who was saved that hadn't been baptized. And today you've got all kinds of people that, that make professions of faith. They put, I'm a Christian everywhere, but they've never been baptized. Are you ashamed of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Are you ashamed of being dead to your old self and risen to newness of life? Are you baptized? (laughs) If not, why not? Are you ashamed? Because Jesus said those who are ashamed of Him, He'll be ashamed of you. If I could, I'd do it again. (laughs) I don't want to be ashamed. There is one God. Three Persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All the other gods are false gods and fake gods. And I'm now identifying with the one true and living God. And I reject all other false gods. That's what we say. You say, Baptism's a big deal. You better believe it's a big deal. We go into all the world. We go, we make disciples, and we baptize. And then what, Josh? What's after that? Because a lot of churches will baptize you, put your name on a roll, and, and send it off and say, look how many people we baptized. It doesn't stop at baptism. Look what it says. <laughs> I love it. What's the next action word? Go, teach, baptize. Verse 20, teach. These are two different words. The teach up there is make disciples. The teach in verse 20 is to teach teaching them I like that is very teaching is important once you baptize someone you, you they've now come to faith in Jesus they've made a, a, a profession of that before the world and before watching eyes now you become a learner. Now you must be taught. Now you're going to need to be sitting in a pew or in a house somewhere and having someone stand up and and teach you something A disciple-making church must be a teaching church. A church that doesn't teach isn't a church. That's like going to a barber who doesn't cut hair. Why would you do that? We exist to teach. There's churches out there that doesn't teach anything. He says here that we are to teach. And what are we to teach? I love this. The church is a, a teaching place. And what should be the, the number one priority of their teaching? Look at this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, we're living and breathing this. Look what he says. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. What he's saying there is teach them everything I taught you. Don't hold anything back. Don't leave anything out. Teach them the easy stuff. Teach them the hard stuff. Teach them the major stuff. Teach them the minor stuff. Teach them the basics. Teach them the advanced. Give them milk. Give them meat. Teach them everything that I have told you. And he taught a lot. And what do we, what have we done for the last four years here? We started in Matthew 1 and I have taught you everything that Jesus commanded them from Matthew 1 to Matthew 28. I've told you I want to live in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you everything He did. I want to teach you everything that He said. I want to teach you who He is. I want to teach you what He accomplished. I want to take you uh, to the advanced levels. I want to keep things at the simple levels. We want to teach you everything that, that Jesus said. And, and, and we we're going to move on here, but you've got to get this. You need, and you are in a teaching church. We must go. We must make disciples. We must baptize, and we got to teach. That's our plan. I'm going to say it in the last point. This is the only plan. There's no plan B. There's no coming up with new ideas. There's no reimagining things. You see, churches now are trying to do that. I don't know if you guys notice that churches are struggling today. I mean, churches are losing members left and right. COVID about killed churches. So churches now are saying, hmm, how can we get everybody back? What can we do? How can we be cool? How can we be hip? Pastors are going from standing up and looking normal to wearing skinny jeans with holes in them. That'll gather a crowd. It's crazy what they're trying to do. They're trying to reinvent the church. They're getting up and saying, we can't do hour-long sermons anymore. We need to do 20-minute devotions. I'm glad nobody said amen to that one. (laughs) We can't teach. Nobody's teaching anymore. The plan hasn't changed. Go. Make disciples. Make disciples. Chase them down if you have to. Meet with them in coffee shops. Teach them the things that Jesus said. Baptize them. Grow them. And watch this. I'm want to close with not the sermon, but the plan here. It's not just about information. When he says teaching, and there's a lot of churches, we've got to be careful that we don't do this, that we come in here and we know more than everybody else. My pastor preaches for an hour and ten minutes every Sunday. We preach through the book of Matthew. And it only t- it took us a, almost five years. We know, we know, we know. But it doesn't just say, no, it's not just about information. The information must become transformation. Look what it says. Teaching them to observe, observe. You know what that word means? Give heed to. Practice. Disciples learn So they can live. Disciples put into practice what they know. This is so good. That we go and we make disciples and we baptize them and we teach them to be like Christ. We make followers of Jesus. We apply Jesus to every area of our life. That we have Jesus in our morals. We have Jesus in our ethics. We have Jesus in how we live. We have Jesus in how we parent. How our marriages work. How we work and our work ethic at our job sites. Jesus is being applied in every area of our life. We are observing everything that He taught. And as we go out, our lifestyle says we are followers of Jesus as our lips proclaim it as well. That we're not hypocrites. That we live what we preach. That's what he says here. Making full followers of Jesus. So our task, and I want to move to the last point. We bring them to Jesus by faith. We bring them to the church by baptism. We bring them to maturity by our teaching. Let me say that again. We bring them to Jesus by faith. We bring them into the church by baptism. Who else is going to baptize them? I ain't going to a public pool and baptizing people. Kids can't get out in the public pool and say, oh, buried with Christ and and living to do life. The the church does that. You bring them to church by baptism and you bring them to maturity from teaching. The church has gotten away from the the plan. It's simple. I've had people ask me, "Why, why is your church not dying? Because we've not strayed from the plan. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. What are you doing? Yes, <laughs> people that say that. What are you doing, Josh? Oh, we, we go. We make disciples. We baptize. And we teach. What else? There is nothing else. There is nothing else. Why did you survive COVID? Why did your ch- church not fall apart? We kept going. We never stopped sharing the gospel. We may not be able to knock on doors. I wanted to. I started asking people for hazmat suits. I <laughs> got good news for you. You know, we just started sharing it in a different way. We didn't get to baptize, but as soon as we got back, we did. I think it was funny that we baptized the last Sunday before COVID, and as soon as COVID, the, the restrictions ended, we baptized again. We kept teaching. This is the plan. The plan doesn't change. Now this is a tall, tall order and one that everybody must be involved in. This isn't just me or Brandon or Johnny or the teachers here. This is all of us must be involved in this. We all must be going. We all must be making disciples of someone or becoming a disciple of someone. We all must be trying to get people baptized and we all must be teaching or being taught. This involves everybody. You say, well, how we want to do that? I'm sure the 11 or the 500 who's on the hill there on the mountain would say, there's no way. Even in our culture today, they'd say, "That's, that's impossible today. You need something else. I'll give you one more thing and we'll close. I've already given you the power to reach the world, the plan to reach the world, and I want to give you the promise to reach the world. As he says at the end of verse 20, and this is the way the gospel ends, it says, and lo, you see that, and lo. This is an attention getter. This is a take note of this. This is like behold. Look look what we're talking about here. And he says I. I just want to go word by word through this. Can I I do this last last verse? Last half a verse. Lo, is the attention getter. I am is Jesus himself. Who is that? It's the one that said he has all power in verse 18. The one who says he has all authority over everything in heaven and in earth. The one who has authority over the astronauts as high as they can get. And the one who has authority over those in the submarine as low as they can get. He says, and lo, I am with you. Not I will be with you, but I am with you now. That's an amazing promise. Now we're talking. I am with you. It shows we don't do this alone. He's going to be with us. In Matthew 1, when Jesus was born, He was Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Physically. In Matthew 18, He said, When two or three are gathered together in My name, I am with you. Here in Matthew 28, He says, I am with you. Exodus 33, Moses said, or in Exodus 33, but he said, we will not go unless you go with us. We can't make it without you. And Jesus says here, I'll be with you. He's not just a commander telling us to go. He's a commander getting out in front of us and going with us as we go. He's a commander that's on our side. He's a commander that's by our side. And he's, he's with us to help us. He's with us to strengthen us. He's with us to enable us. He's with us to embolden us. He's with us to give us courage. You go into Acts, and these guys who are on the hillside and they're all doubting it and, and unsure of themselves are standing before the most powerful people in the world and preaching the Gospel. How? Because Jesus was with them. I have no doubt. No doubt in my mind that if I go knock on doors, Jesus is there knocking with me. I have no doubt that when I stand up here today, I have a picture in my office of a man standing up behind a pulpit and he's preaching and there's a picture of Jesus standing right behind him. I have no doubt that Jesus is with me as I'm preaching the gospel from here. I have no doubt when I go to the Wise County Christian School and I preach the Gospel to to 30 high school kids that Jesus is right there with me. I have no doubt that when you go to school and, and you want to be a witness to your friends, Jesus is there with you. I have no doubt that when you go to your workplace and you're surrounded by unbelievers, Jesus is there with you. I have no doubt when they go on the mission field and there's nobody that's even heard the name of Jesus, He is with them there. When we go on this mission, He will be with us. What an amazing promise. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, He is with us. Question, how long? I am with you always. It it actually says all days. And I like that. That's, That's the fourth all in this passage. All power is given unto me. All nations is where we go. Teaching them all things. And I'm with you all days. Unto the end of the world. Unto the consummation of all things. Or until, I know this is a great statement. I am with you until the end. I am with you until I'll be with you. There'll never be a time I won't be with you. I'll be with you by my spirit. Because he's going to ascend. And they're going to say, he's not with us. And then He's going to send the Spirit and they're going to say He's with us. And then one day He's going to come back in the end and He'll be with us. There's never a time that He's not with us. What a promise. Do you see how this is the, the full foundation of this mission? His all authority is what starts it. And His all days being with us is what ends it. So that we can accomplish all that he said in the plan in the middle. He's the one that undergirds it all. It's the same mission all the way to the end. It's not going to, it's not going to change. And he will always be by our side. We will never be alone. Hebrews 13 says this, I'll never leave you. I can stop there. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. They may turn their back on you, but I never will. And people will turn their back on you, but He never will. He won't forsake you, watch this, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man will do to me. What a statement. There's nowhere I can't go, nothing I can't do, if I know that my Savior is with me every step of the way. When our burden is too heavy to bear He's there. When our faith is tested, and it will be, He's there. When we doubt, like those disciples standing on that hill, He's still there. When COVID hits and everything looks like it's falling apart, He's there. When the culture changes and the tides have turned and everything is against Christianity today, guess what? He's still there. When your feet stumble, He's there. When your friends are few, He's there. When the pews are empty, He's there. When your heart is broken, He's there. When your strength is low, He's there. When you feel like giving up, go back to the last thing He says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Take this with you. When you go into school tomorrow and you say, I can't do that. That's for your teenagers. I I, I think you, you, when you go into your teens tomorrow, walk in there knowing that as I walk into that locker room or walk into that court or walk onto that field, that lo, He is with me always. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do nothing on my own, but I can go and be the, the strongest witness in my school because Jesus is with me. When you go to work tomorrow, And you're surrounded by, and I get it, you're surrounded by all kinds of of people who don't believe in Christ. And you struggle every day. And your mind is tested. And your heart is tested. and, and, And you're tempted all the time. Lo, I'm with you always, even at your workplace. Lo, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the world. Do you see what undergirds the entire mission? The power at the start and the promise at the end, all we got to do is follow the plan. i got to say that again. I, I didn't even write that down. Let's see if I can get it right this time. I said it's a good. And I said, that's great. Quote me on that. The power at the start, the promise at the end, all that undergirds that we just do the plan in the middle. And you know what we'll do? We'll reach the world for Christ. That's an amazing thing. And all the success of the Great Commission is laid on His shoulders. All we've got to do is go. That's an amazing thing. So let me end. I've got one more word to preach and you guys are going to help me preach it in just a second. But before I say that last word, I want to ask you where you stand with Christ, And I believe Jesus stands with me as I do this. I do this every Sunday. Because you know what they say? The most under evangelized place in America is the pews on Sunday morning. That there are people in this church today who are unbelievers, there will be people who will watch online who are unbelievers. There'll be people who hear this sermon, just like that crowd of five hundred, that there's some who are worshiping, just like there are here today, that we sang songs and we gave, and now you've listened for almost an hour. You've given your time, you've given your effort, you've given your mind, you've given your heart, you've given your soul, you've given everything you have in worship here today for an hour and a half. There's there's people here today who are true followers of Jesus who worship today. But there's also people in this room who are doubting. Is all this real? Is he really who he says he is? So I speak to you. Where do you stand with Christ? I'm not asking if you've walked an aisle. I'm not asking if you signed a card. I'm not asking if you made a decision or raised a hand or done something in Bible school. I'm asking have you ever truly put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever truly... And again, I say this knowing that Jesus is with me. I believe He's with me all the time, but He's especially with me when I'm on mission for Him. And as I'm sharing the Gospel here now, Where do you stand? See, in most sermons, I ask a question, and then I give an answer. You guys just sit there and say, okay, Josh, you can give me an answer. I'll have to work at it. But now I ask a question that I don't know the answer to. Where do you stand with Jesus Christ? Are you a real follower? Are you true? Committed? Sold out? Is that you? Would that describe you? If it doesn't, I ask you today to put your faith in Him, And I'm not asking you to, I'm telling you to. I believe the Gospel is a command. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take the narrow way. Commit your life to Him. Repent of your sins. Die of your old self. Turn from your old ways. Believe in Jesus and be saved today. He's the only way of salvation. It's it's an exclusive way. He, He said, no one gets to the Father but by Me. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to be saved. No other way to forgiveness. No other way to heaven but Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him today. It's full salvation. It's free salvation. By His death, by His burial, by His resurrection, believe in Jesus today. Don't put it off. Why would you put it off? What more would it take? Believe today. In your pew, where you are. Then walk up to me later and say, I want to make it known next week in the baptistry. I want everybody to know Dead to myself, alive to Christ, renounced all other gods, living for one true and living God. Let the world know. So I want you to know today Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And he'll save you where you sit if you'll believe in him. And second, will you join me in this mission? That's for you who are believers. This, I don't think it's optional. I think you're being disobedient if you say no. So I would say yes. You say, how can I join you in that mission? Charles Spurgeon said that time is flying, men are dying, hell is filling. What are you doing? You want to hear that again? Time is flying, men are dying, hell is filling. What are you doing? That's a tough statement. What are we doing? Here's what I ask you to do. To join me in this mission. Will you commit today to praying for one person in your life who's an unbeliever? And you make that every single day the first thing you pray for says, I'll do that, I'll do that. Just pick one person. It can be more than one person, but I think if everybody in here picked one person and said, starting today, I will make that where this this is, is the thing on my mind and in my heart every day that I will not forget about the lost people in my life. So I'm going to pray for that one person, that two people, whatever it is, this person that's coming into your mind right now. I want, I desire everything in me. My mission is to see that person saved. Will you commit that with me? I don't want to ask you to raise a hand. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. I just want you where you see it to say, yes, I will commit to that. And then add to that. And I think this is just go with it. If you commit to praying for that one person, you will also find that God gives you all kinds of opportunities to be a witness to that person. I think I told you the story. I have friends in my life. And I asked him to pray for me a lot. And I had one one time that I said, will you pray for me that God would open doors for me to share the gospel? And he sent me a message early one morning. He said, this morning I prayed that God would give you an open door to share the gospel. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's good. And you guys know I go to the gym first thing in the morning. first thing I did when I got to the gym that morning, had a guy look at me that I never talked to before. He said, you're a preacher, ain't you? I'm like, I'm, I'm doing biceps right now. He said, uh, what church do you, Pastor? I've been looking for a church. All right, put the dumbbells down. <laughs> do you know Jesus? <laughs> You'll find that as you pray, God will open doors. Amen. So commit with me today for Amen. one person. It may be your kid. It may be your parents. It may be a coworker. It may be one of your best friends. But you have no idea what will happen. If we'll begin to pray, and we'll begin to go, and we'll begin to share, next thing you know, we'll begin to baptize more. Next thing you know, we'll have more people to teach. Next thing you know, we'll be going out even more. And the plan will just keep working. But it starts with us today committing to pray. Why do we do that? As time's flying. Men are dying. Hell is filling. We've got to get busy. So help me finish this. i want to read these verses again, starting in verse 18. When I get to that last word in verse 20, I want you to say it with me. And we'll end Matthew. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the time that we have given us in Matthew. It's been the best study that I've ever had the privilege of going through in my entire life. I've learned more about Your Son. I love Him more today than I did when we started. I pray that I am more like Him today than I was when we started. I pray... That more people know Him today than when we started. I pray that our church is stronger today than when we started. Thank you for a church that lets me preach like this. Yes. Thank you for a people that listen. That have followed along on this journey for four, almost five years maybe. We've been through a lot. Babies have been born. People have died. COVID has hit. The world has changed But you, God, have not changed and your word has not changed. So thank you for this journey. Thank you for this time. Thank you for our church. But thank you most of all for our Savior. And I pray that you've been honored by this sermon and this study that we've done. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.